first part. And all right. Hi, thanks for joining me on Profit with a Plan podcast. This is where you can get some great ideas to, for your most profitable small business. Just so you know, financial planning isn't only for those that have a lot of money or run big companies. A workable financial plan is for us everyday small business owners and professionals that want to make great financial decisions that lead to bigger profits. So join me, Marcia Reiner, your financial business strategist, fractional CFO, and certified financial planner each Tuesday for some smart ideas that can add more profits to your bottom line. I help ambitious business owners grow their profits using unique ways of growing their income and spending strategically that produce greater profits without killing themselves chasing more clients. So if you're curious, let's chat, let's get together and see how we can create more profits in your business. So today I'm talking with my good friend, Sanji. He is with the business, U.S. Business Council. Sanji is an attorney, Sanji, excuse me, is an attorney who successfully advances strategic growth and risk mitigation goals with his clients with two unique benefits, actual business management. This guy knows what he's doing. He's got the experience and flat fees. That is completely unheard of in attorney world. His clients are in consumer services, food and beverage, which is retail and breweries. I like breweries. Wineries. We need to add wineries. Yeah. Uh, manufacturing technology and entertainment. So you can contact him directly to learn more about how he is efficient and effectively assisting you towards your success goals. So welcome, Sachi. Oh, thank you, Marcia. This is great. Like We're going to talk about business uh, law and how it can grow your profits, lower your risk, and yeah, don't be afraid of the laws. Don't be afraid of the laws. Yeah. The laws so, are your friend. Let's, your laws are your friends. So let's talk a little bit about that. Okay. There are some crazy laws. You <laughs> brought up, um, you know, a lot of fear and concern that people have as business owners making sure that they're staying compliant in the law. Yes. But how they can use it to their advantage by staying ahead, too. Yes, you're right. And I did bring that up. We were speaking about this uh, the other day. Um, so, yeah, you know, in society... I'll take it back even further. When I decided to go to law school, and actually when I when I started to practice, the person who swore me in, this judge, reminded me that it's a noble profession. And I think the reminder was worth, worth, worthwhile, especially here in the Western part of the world, and the U.S. in particular. Uh, lawyers have not the best name, to oh. say, right? And and some of that is, uh, is well-earned, I think, too. I mean, there's reasons for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like any profession. But... It's also uh, the means by which we further society. And I mentioned this the other day when we were speaking and, and my presentation uh, at, a, at a, an event here was that the, the laws are there to help the businesses too. Mm-hmm. The laws aren't there in a vacuum and businesses aren't there in a vacuum either. Businesses are groups of people, uh, groups of people who reflect society and our community. And, and same with the laws. The laws don't just appear. Now, there may be thought that maybe the laws don't reflect what they should, but they come to be because people mm-hmm. and people, some of the people who run businesses, some people who are just in our community, they all advocate for the laws. So they come to play, interplay together, uh, not overnight, but a process that takes sometimes months, sometimes years. And there's a way to trend that, those laws, to curate them, if you will, to understand where they're going for the, the good of the business, for the mm-hmm. profitability. And if you can do that, you're actually up on the laws, then there's nothing to be afraid of or to uh, have disdain for. 
Right. You had mentioned that we, uh, mom says we have to do this. So we, we go and do it. Well, exactly. But I think, I think if we're prepared for it and we understand the reasoning and like you said, they don't just appear out of the blue, they've come over years and started to develop so we can be prepared for them an and use them um, to protect our business, yeah. to grow our business more efficiently and to lower our legal costs. Yes. Like you said, the word is evolution. Mm-hmm. The laws are evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, the presentation that, that you and I uh, meta, I was talking about where the laws are today, but you may remember I talked about laws that are related to that law from prior years too. Mm-hmm. And so when I said trending, that's what's really important is to understand, look, it's not like now you have 20 new laws this year, your business has to comply with. It's not that simple and it's not that static. Mm-hmm. It's actually more engaging and interesting than that too. If you can see where it was last year and where it's going next year, because for the sake of the business, what it means is two words is, is strategic planning. If you're strategically planning for the business like you do in your world for mm-hmm. finance, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you do the same for, for legal as well. Uh, then you have risk mitigation taken care of and your profitability. Uh, it's, it's a continuous uh, process. And a lot of businesses, we tend to make the mistake. And I say we because I'm also a business owner too. As, as am I and as, am, as you are as well. Exactly, so that's right. why we're bringing this to that's you. That's right. That's right. So it, it's, it takes that empathetic understanding to, to realize that we make the mistake of, of uh, reacting more to the laws. And, and, um, and some, some of that is because we're so busy in the day-to-day when you're running a business. But what I'm trying to do, and part of, you mentioned with the flat fee model too, that's our corporate counsel program. And with that, if they're ambitious businesses, they're, they're all in, they want to do it right, mm-hmm. then they may have the right composition to, to qualify for our uh, corporate counsel program. We allow, uh, we adjust the rate, we set it accordingly for whatever uh, their needs would be for their contract matters, employment law, uh, risk mitigation issues, strategic planning. We provide all of that as general counsel for them. And we, we have it for a set fee, which we prorate over the year. We set that aside. A lot of things we were afraid of for lawyers is their darn billing rates. Right. The hourly rates. By the minute. By, second. By, by the minute. Second. And when I start billing you 0.4 or 0.6 on my bill and you get it 45 days later, it, it just it, it erodes the trust mercy. It does. It so does. if you don't have trust with me or my, my, my peers, then we can't guide you. And then we'll ask you the silly question later. Why didn't you call me? Because <laughs> I was afraid for the bill. <laughs> that's the answer. And we know that answer too. And I think that's, that's inherently unfair to the process. And it doesn't engender the trust that you need for advisors like myself and for you. Exactly. For a business. So I mentioned that only in, in, in relation to my point being that having trusted advisors to help guide you on the evolution of your business, mm-hmm. on the day-to-day, uh, and where it's not a monetary consideration as much as it is you want to have that advisor. Right. Then it all comes together so great. And we have long-term clients from three years to 12 years in the corporate counsel program who benefit from that. And, and that's, that's the way it should be, I think, for what we do. I agree 100%. The other side of it that you brought that is really important is that you never want to be in a position where you're reacting. That's you're right. reacting to a law. You're reacting to a problem in your business. You're reacting to the fact that you didn't make the money you thought you were if you could be proactive in this yes. and get the advice and the consulting that you need and understand what's available and what are the opportunities, then as you're moving forward, you're acting and acting yes. always costs less than reacting Very true. because you can start planning. You could do it on your own time. You could do it piece by piece rather than going, Oh my gosh, now I've got this problem that I have to deal with. That's right. And yeah. it's often too late. Being proactive. The key word is active and being taking action, right? So being proactive means Having the right team internally, having the right directors in place, managers in place who are actually proactive and understand the culture, 
uh, of the company and maybe more than the owners do too because they're there on the day-to-day, but also having that communication and the collaboration, not being afraid to call me or to call you mm-hmm. and engage us early on. And likewise, being proactive, my responsibility is to inform you of the laws uh, as they are before they get enacted and then as they're coming up. And then how are we doing it with the business planning? Sometimes we need to bring in the finance person to understand how to budget accordingly for something like a, a, a paid sick leave mm-hmm. or um, the, the hourly rate for a non-exempt uh, that will be changing each year. Uh, these are things that, that businesses don't do on the day-to-day. They don't know about them unless we, we and I uh, inform you on a regular basis. Exactly. I think that that's so important. So let's talk about some of those um, bills and laws that are up here that, that okay. business owners in the small um, space really need to know about and, and what we might start thinking now uh, and what we need to have been doing yesterday possibly and, mm-hmm. and making sure in the future as things comes along. Okay. So what, what's, what are some of the laws that we well, need to worry about? You may remember, I, I mentioned there's 870 new laws that were uh, enacted by the, the regular uh, I forgot about year. that for, for a specific yes. reason. Yeah. They're a large number. The presentation of Marcia, uh, my first slide was, uh, here's slide number, here's law number one of 870. Yeah. And there's yeah, a, a collective gasp in the room. But <laughs> I assure them and I'm not going to cover all 870. Uh, and for our purposes of our podcast, I won't go over uh, the details as much as I'll tell you. Um, Number one, no surprises for any of my clients mm-hmm. because these laws, a lot of them uh, trended for years. Um, we're talking about sexual harassment laws that trended before Me Too, uh, but now uh, have been accelerated since Me Too, too. And, and as I mentioned, one uh, two examples uh, in my presentations when I speak, they may be trending very, very heavy one, one direction, and I think it's going to be some adjustment. Yeah, the pendulum swinging, right? Exactly right. Um, and I give an example um, of essentially one of them being if there's a sexual harassment claim, uh, now the plaintiff has more than one year to bring the claim. In the past, you'd have to, um, not to go into the, the weeds here too much, but essentially one year to bring the claim, and then you have um, a few years thereafter actually to, to make it through the court system. Um, so you'd file the claim first with the uh, DFEH, the state agency. Now it's extended to three years. So if there's a possible claim, you have three years before you have to actually file that. Um, and the statute of limitations has been increased, essentially. So wow. how, how that means is it, the idea is to benefit the person um, who is aggrieved, who may have uh, experienced the abuse, because trauma takes time to process. And these are things in society we understand. Uh, and now they're being reflected in the law. I think generally, as humans, as, as a community, we can appreciate that. And I think we, we wouldn't agree or we wouldn't think that's a bad thing. The issue, though, with that law, maybe possibly going too far in one uh, part of the pendulum is it doesn't just apply to those types of claims. Right. It's discrimination in general. So uh, discrimination on a protected class, for instance, you know, if it's a, a, a sex, age, or, or gender um, uh, disability. So some of those things you might suggest, well, does that really take more than a year to process to understand to actually bring the claim? Um, so it, it extends more of the burden and the concern for a business if they have a potential risk hovering over their head. For three plus years. Exactly right. And three plus years, Marcia, plus it takes longer to actually bring a claim, make its way to the court system. So you may file it within three years, uh, and then it may take longer, uh, maybe up to six years sometimes, um, uh, to actually make its way. And so that, that uh, means, again, a culture of risk appreciation and risk mitigation in the business is important. You can't be floored as soon as a claim lands on your desk. Right. And you have no idea it was coming at all. So you have to be ready for these things by having effective training, hmm. um, sexual harassment, whether you're a for-profit or non-profit, you need to have these things in place. You have five or more employees now. You have to uh, train. Before it was 50. 
So as you can see, that trend was happening. All my businesses knew that it was happening. But I know a lot of new businesses now are, 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 are not new businesses, a lot of existing businesses. Smaller today. businesses. Those, those that, that didn't have to do it in the past now have to do it. And they didn't see this coming necessarily because right. they didn't have an advisor to tell them that. So right. that's where I think is I think it's inherently responsible as an attorney that we have to not just help you react well, but help businesses to understand what's coming down the pike. Exactly. And having that, you can only get there if we could talk together. We have mm-hmm. an open dialogue. So my clients, it's a matter of having regularly scheduled meetings. Plus, call me if you're a lead on a certain subject. I want to hear from them directly. And they do. Um, our engagement agreement, unlike a lot of law firms, is not 15, 20 pages. It's three pages. Oh, good. <laughs> and I emphasize communication, communication. If I don't have that, we can't work together. But if I have that, since we've talked about the money, we've, we budgeted that as a line item, um, that's, that's done. Now we're talking about the needs. And so being proactive, understanding these laws and the trends is important. So that's an example of the harassment uh, one and we're seeing a lot of things with me too um you're seeing a lot of things uh with with just the human experience in the workplace mm. that's what i'll say so i like that i like that because we're in business because we had a passion we're in business because obviously we want to profit right but business is all about humans it is and and in your talk last week you talked about that and i thought that that was very key and very important for people to understand we're still working together we're still working this way together. And if you can humanize it and make it, make it as a person, then you're going to eliminate a lot of your problems, right? That's very true. That's very true. I think that that's, that's an interesting thing. I worked once for, as I hear you say that, for a family-owned business. Um, when I first went to, to college in Berkeley, came back down south, and started uh, working there you know, just like fresh out of school. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and somehow this family... Went behind the ears. Completely went behind <laughs> the ears. Uh, uh, it was in Long Beach. It was pretty quick. <laughs> and... and um, I, I remember somehow this family gave me a chance and that family ended up being uh, the family who owns, uh, who owned Molina Healthcare. Okay. Big company. <clears throat> Big company now today. Yeah. Uh, Fortune 300 perhaps. Uh, but at the time, <clears throat> family owned business and, and it was uh, just growing, ambitious. And I helped them on business development things, compliance. I eventually became their compliance officer. Things before I even went to law school. And that experience helped me to understand what we were talking about the human dynamic is so important. And I, I have a, my uh, degree is actually in organizational behavior. Okay. Which is different than a lot of lawyers who are poli-sci history. Right, English. right. I um, like that. Because of the human experience. I've right. always been drawn to the human experience. I just happen to be a lawyer. I, I, I think I'm, I'm a humanist, if you will. I'm a business person who happens to be a lawyer. Uh, and what a combination, right? But I think that, a, that's why I, I, there's some empathetic like, understanding of the business owner's experience. Right. Uh, to do what I do and to enjoy it the way I do is because I am you, you know, and, and, and that's, and I got that, some of that experience because I got to work in a business and then another one, another one before I actually started practicing law. Um, and, and that's, that's helped me so much. I didn't have the fancy clerkships. Instead, I had this experience of, of a company that we took to NASDAQ um, and we expanded in different states. These things all apply to all my, my business today, all my, my, my uh, clients. They're expanding, they're growth positioned. Mm-hmm. They're, they're hiring more. Mm-hmm. They're in a, a rubric and uh, a scheme of laws that's, that's complicated and changing in California and nationally. And in How many did you say? 870 of them? That's, that's only last year alone. That Jeez. combines with the ones that existed before. Yeah. So it's growing and evolving, but you need to be in the midst of it and understand it and, then, and, and help your business owners to, to not be afraid of it, but to grow, grow right. with the laws, not beside the law, but, but grow with it. Like it, like it. Love it. So what else? What are, what are some of the other laws that we can, we can talk about that would impact the small business owner 
five to, to 10, 20 there employees. Some, yeah, well, there's some that we didn't really talk about in my presentation. I couldn't cover it all, but some that come to my mind are, uh, well, talk about the human experience. Um, so families uh, in the workplace. Mm -hmm. So um, there is a need now. This was happening. This is a great example of the evolving nature of this law too. If you have a business and you and there's a, a, a any pregnancy or there's mm. there's a, a need for lactation essentially before and I'm talking about maybe even as early as last year and the year before that too. Well, two years before that, there was no laws really on this as much. Then became laws that were like, well, you need to have a dedicated space for the mother to provide those lactation services for you know. I don't know, it sounds familiar, lactation services, but to, to nurse. spend time and nurse <laughs> with her child. Um, or pump. There you go. So if you're working and your child's not with you, you still need time to pull the milk out so that it right. can be produced for the next day so they can work. So. Exactly right. And, and <clears> I think <throat> you said, you get it because it's not just, it's the maternal experience, but it's productivity. Yep. And, and that's what companies at the time, I remember saying, well, yeah, now we've got a dedicated space in there. If you approach it from this, now we got to do it, like you mentioned, the maternal thing, like, mm -hmm. mom, here's another law. <laughs> if you do that, it actually, you're sending the wrong message to yourself, much less to your, your employees, that this is a burden. Ah, and, yeah. and when you do that psychologically, actually, to the workplace and, and the team, that shows you're devaluing that experience of that particular mother mm -hmm. or mothers, right? And that makes them feel uh, less than involved, uh, maybe even targeted. And mm -hmm. these are the kinds of things that eventually engender disrespect, distrust and claims mm, and these are the kinds right. of things that I, I try to really get in front of when I see those signs happening so with this law now you need to have a dedicated lactation room okay and, and not just like the side room next to the coffee machine which or, or a chair in the restroom that's exactly right it has to be yeah, exactly a private space that feels that also feels inherently comfortable for the mother too that again the experience matters and now it's built into the law if you uh, as, as a and you're a mother too mm -hmm. uh, if you've you remember the experience of doing this and the juggling that with your career. I mean, it's hard enough. As mm -hmm. it is. And so much is expected of you, particularly as a woman. And we're talking on the heels of international women's day. I mean, right. Yesterday. Is, so how can we celebrate and empower uh, what I believe are the more important members of our society who, who drive it really with, with women. And then when they go to work from nine to five or whatever it may be, they're secondary. Mm. Their experience doesn't matter in that right. sense. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work as a society or a community. Or as a business either, as I mentioned, it just it, it's going to erode trust and productivity and going to hurt you too. So this new law means you have to have a dedicated space with a with a, a, um, a comfortable a, environment, comfortable environment to be able to, to do that to be able to do lactation services. Okay. So, yeah. So wow. Um, so now we have um, also um, I know that there are laws about um, family leave. Yes. So many of us, at least in my age bracket, um, I'm taking care of my children or my children's children and as well as my parents. Yeah. So there's that sandwich generation that I have a lot of responsibility on my shoulders to care for these people as well as work and provide and be a, a, a valuable person in society. So yeah. um, there, I heard that there are extended um, family leave laws now. Yeah. Yeah. So this is paid family leave uh, and paid sick leave. So, what that means, and, and you have a great, great example there, our definition of what a family is, much less our, our own identity and genders, is changing. Mm -hmm. And so, so the laws, is reflect, laws are reflecting that too. And increasingly, our parents are getting older, and they're a part of our family too. So it's not just the newborns that come into our lives mm -hmm. that we need to care for, but we need to care for the family members too. So the law now is expanded to include um, uh, children, not just your birth children, but foster children too, ah. anyone in your care, and uh, and 
like you mentioned too, <coughs> parents, grandparents, uh, there's really no, uh, you can't uh, really find something that's at the exclusion and say, aha, well, that's not a family member. So that's, that's just not the experience that uh, the approach that business should take anyway. Right. It should be inclusive essentially now. So that's the, the difference on the definitions change. Uh, the length of time has changed. You can take more of that, um, that time off and uh, have it, uh, before it was also a limited radius of, 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 of uh, where you live uh, from that, that, that space, but now it's also expanded too. So the bottom line is this, without focusing on really the numbers as much, it's mm-hmm. really about understanding. If your employee were to come to you and say, look, I have something going on with my family, if you can manage it in some way, and especially if there's anyone who can come in and sub out and, and allow for that time with the employee, the answer is always going to be yes. Because it should be yes. It, and I say it's going to be because this is what, what I want people to think, that there shouldn't be an option on this. But what you should do is obviously plan for it. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you'll be surprised when the question comes in. You've hired an employee who is likely, who has a family, um, and you will, you will know that, that they appreciate being here, the same cultural, the same values you have in your culture, uh, in your company, are what they probably have out there. Mm-hmm. And if you're a family uh, person yourself, they likely have the same too. So they'll have the same similar needs. You have to be able to say yes and plan for that hiring, plan for what that experience of having that employee will, will be like. And that includes uh, involving your, your controller, your CFO, um, allowing for those uh, uh, proper payroll pre- uh, financial needs for building budgeting for it. Exactly. Because Setting the time up for it. When Marcia is gone, then you need to make sure that, that, that uh, Marcia can, can do the, the work as well. Right. Uh, and this communication, uh, a really good example of that. And this is not really appearing yet in the law, but you're going to see this next year. And I'm predicting this because okay. this is where the trends are is that the human experience matters, but it also includes ailments. Mm. And see what's happening now, particularly at this time. We're going to probably date this, but by the time you see this, coronavirus. the coronavirus. There's a right. virus now, and it's now pretty much officially a pandemic. And um, I don't think there's enough information out there in the public for us to feel assured that, that we're uh, in front of it yet. Mm. But until that time, I have businesses now, too, that I'm helping them to message with uh, internally, their staff, uh, some of their medical businesses, so with their uh, outgoing clinics mm-hmm. and also with uh, their partners as well on, on how to essentially um, uh, contend with the virus and still have a product, productive relationship right. with the company. And I bring that up as an example to say, look, uh, remote working is encouraged. Mm-hmm. We're seeing Google get in front of this. It's a great example. Yeah. And they're telling all their employees that, that, you know, tens of thousands of people that they can work remotely. Um, and so that's, those are good barometers of, of examples of how to model our own businesses too that are small to mid-sized businesses that are that are growing, but we have a big employee base and we have a lot to do this year and a lot to do this first quarter's ending. I understand that the productivity timelines, but you're not going to benefit the business at all if you lose people to, to ailments um, and a virus like that too, because then that'll spread scare and then no one will trust your, your, your leadership at all. So wow. the answer should be to make, to get in front of these things. Now you may have a very healthy work, work uh, space right now. Good. I would say take advantage of it by, by um, um, making sure you have uh, reinforcing it, reinforcing it, making sure that you're ready for. It. I always say it's not a matter of if, it's when. but when. So let's get ready for it, which you can appreciate. Yes, as much. yes totally. It's and it's all about planning. It. It's all about planning. It, it is. If you can plan that you have um, family members in your um, in your employment, you can plan that they're going to need some sort of time off, whether they're above childbirthing or their parents or or what have. It's just, and the sickness, I mean, you've got to plan for this because happy employees make better employees, make better profits. That's right. Right? Because these employees that you have engaged, whether it's 1, 10, 50, these employees are often 
forward facing with your clients. And if they're not happy, it's going to translate into your profits. Uh, if you're, if your employees aren't productive, it's going to translate into your profits. Yes. And I think I would much rather have a productive employee working at home than one coming in, getting everybody else sick and everybody, you know, doing the chit chat around the water cooler, trying to stay away from them. Very true. So there's, yeah. there's so many adjustments you can make. And I think one of the big words would be flexibility. That's a great word. I like that word. I think that's very true. Adaptability. Um, Adaptability, uh, flexibility. Yeah. The same idea because, but you have to have, so those are great words, right? And, but you get it and I get it, but what's the, you said the word active and action. How do you have flexibility and adaptability? It takes some boldness. It takes some courage to do Mm -hmm. that. But I'm giving you examples of companies that are doing it that are, that are bigger than us, the Mm -hmm. the Googles. Uh, And they have that. And that's why they're positions in positions of, of leadership in their industry too. Likewise, you know, my supply chain clients, my medical clients, my tech clients that are growing, it's the same thing. They are ambitious. They're all in. They have something novel about what they're doing and they believe in it. And uh, so does their team. And, what, and I'm telling you, when I say it, like for me, when I go into those businesses and I see that and I feel it, it fires me up too. Right. And that's why it's incumbent upon me to try to help them to get ahead of things that they don't know, only because I have the perspective and I'm in the industry and a field and an interest uh, that, I, that I can get in front of it. And I, and if I, I don't have that, that if I can get in front of the issue and identify it at least, I don't say I have all the answers, but as a general counsel, I quarterback that and I will have great advisors to help and I'll bring them in. Exactly. And I've done that. Um, I was at an advisory board meeting for one of my clients recently and we have it not quarterly, but we set it up and I helped them to strategically plan that and, and think about the composition of that board mm-hmm. to advise them. And everyone was looking around and, and one person made the, it was a real estate broker, made the observation that he... Uh, the CPA, uh, myself, the benefits person were all brought in by me, which mm-hmm. was, which to me, it was like, that, that's why I do what I do because I, I'm solution oriented and I can bring in the team to help. I don't profess to have all the answers, but I will be a partner with that business to do that. Right. Uh, likewise, they don't know the laws and they don't know the way around it. So that's my, my contribution is that the other guys uh, uh, and, and ladies bring in an expertise I don't have, but together we're all on the same team in alignment and we're actually learning as we go. So we can do better for that, for that organization next year and the year after too. I love it. I love it. I think um, having that team of advisors, we business owners, we wear multiple different hats. You know, you're, you're, you're the accountant one day, which you shouldn't be. I keep telling you that um, we're the marketing person. We're the salesperson. We're the, the copy fixer. We're the, you know, we're, we're doing everything. IT. The IT. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the HR and we really shouldn't be. Um, as we grow in business and we want to make more profits, we have to understand what we shouldn't be doing and who we should have relying on our team. And legal is so important. It's really, it's, I think it's really the, one of the key places that you should budget for, have someone on deck that can anticipate the potential problems, avoid those problems and make sure you're in line for the things that you need to do. So this is, this is, I'm so glad that you came on with us today. So this is, this this is perfect timing. Thank you for, for, uh, for appreciating the gospel in the sense. I think that's the idea is get ahead uh, of risk mitigation (laughs) issues and increase profitability by being proactive. Yeah. And then it always starts with the human aspect, right? It does. Because we're all, we're all working together. So I love it. we're, We're evolving together and we're growing together. Perfect. So do you have anything that um, you'd like to share your contact information? All this will be in the podcast notes, but um, do you do any kind of, do you have any kind of uh, consultation that you can offer us? Well, absolutely. So what I do is, is, well, I try to get out there and, and preach uh, along with you like this. I, I do a lot of presentations as well. I'll do this for uh, trade associations 
Um, and I'm, I'm getting out there and doing that much more on the top most impactful laws that business should be aware of. Right. Uh, and then I go dive a little deeper into some of these specific laws, like the independent contractor laws that are, that are shifting. Uh, yeah. That's very specific. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I have a great colleague here. I think we'll be speaking with you about that specifically. Yeah. At least uh, coming on soon. Lee Gilbert is great. He's academic almost in that particular law. Um, uh, laws on CC, the CCPA, which is California Consumer Privacy Act, and I'm speaking on that specifically too, which affects all businesses if you're transacting 50,000 records of, of California residents or more. So even if you're processing cards, I mean, credit cards, yeah. a lot of businesses don't know about this law, and the fines will be very, very high when plaintiff's attorneys start to send you letters saying, uh, you, you violated my, my, my client's personal information by not giving it to her or to him. Um, so again, that's a collaborative, just to, to digress a little bit, <clears throat> that is a collaborative approach. Mm-hmm. Legal, IT, 